Hello, and thank you for tuning in to the Real Life Leadership Podcast. I'm your host, Tracy Spears, author, speaker, advocate, and someone who loves to hear inspiring, extraordinary stories from everyday people. I'm fortunate that I get to meet so many different people, and I'm super excited to introduce you to one of them now. So we have a huge part of this story, and I am going to, we can talk about, or not, okay. and that would be Oliver, and right. his role in that. And mm-hmm. I'm going to leave that up to you. Do you want to talk at all about Oliver and and what was going on at that time? I know it's a big part of your, obviously, story. Well, my family decided immediately, we were at a district convention here in Tulsa, my family decided immediately to take action to, if they knew I was leaving, what they do is they try to retain the children in the organization. Okay. And so what they do is they appoint a spiritual mother if the mother's leaving the organization. And that was my sister. So who decides that? The elders. Okay. And so mm-hmm. the elders not necessarily being your mom and dad, being like... My dad was the premier elder, okay. so my dad gave all the direction for okay. that. All right. Mm-hmm. So they decide it's going to be your sister. Right. And what happens then? And immediately they start a program of let's meet with, was then Marley, Oliver. Let's try to just surround him with this love, uh, very manipulative type love, like your mother has become possessed by the devil, mm. and so now we need to be your spiritual family. We need to insulate you from her. And so I tried to combat that. And then my parents tried to take custody of Oliver away from me. And Oliver was 12 at the time, but living as a female. Mm-hmm. Um, Oliver had told me when he was six that he liked girls. So I thought, there's something genetic here. This is, Oliver's probably a lesbian. Mm-hmm. Um, it turned out that Oliver was Oliver. Mm-hmm. Oliver said, I don't even think I'm supposed to have been born a female. Mm. Um, it took him about six months to a year to see through what I call gaslighting, what what I know now was gaslighting from that organization, Um, he started to withdraw from the organization. Mm. And at that point, my family cut him off as well. Even though he's not officially disfellowshipped and they have the choice to speak to him, they don't because he's been open about his transgender status. Girl, I just, when I think of all the cards you've been playing for all, you know, you just need to sit on a beach and rest for a while, right? Mm -hmm. As you're going through that, so you've got Oliver, who who was also tra- was transitioning at right. the time, going through that. When your sister was given the, the spiritual mother uh, award, Ro. is what I was going to say, mm-hmm. but role, um, did she con- con- you know connect with you and say, "Gosh, man, what you know?" Did, did she have any communication with you, or was she so all in uh, on the witness that she didn't even? My sister cross the line? dutifully supported my father, okay. no matter what my father decreed was to happen. And so when we would show up to court, my lawyer and I, to try to prove that I was still a fit mother, Mm -hmm. um, my sister and mother and dad and brother and all of them would show up in court with, when they couldn't use the homosexuality as a reason, they tried in Mm -hmm. court. The judge pretty quickly said, we don't use that as a reason anymore to take, you can't take custody of a child based on that. He said, uh, give me what else you got. Is she on drugs, is she an alcohol mm-hmm. abuser, anything. Give me anything to prove that she may be an unfit parent. And they couldn't. I was not. a very good mother. Mm-hmm. Um, but the judge said, you know, just list whatever you can think of and I'll consider it. He was trying to be fair on both sides. 
And my dad said, she's not as smart as I am, and I need, him, I need to be able to homeschool the child. And the judge pretty quickly threw all of that stuff out. And I got custody of him. Um, but Jehovah's Witnesses feel like, and they state in their literature, that women, if you're born female, you don't use as much of your brain as a male does. And so their argument was, and even my dad's own attorney was shocked at his rationale, that, sure. that you're going to use that she's yeah. not using as much of her brain as you are. Um, but he gave it every shot. I mean, he really believes it. Well, that's like the, the argument that that's not even true. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh, I mean, as I said, there's a long list of words I would use to describe you. Amazing mother would be one of them. Um, okay, so so that all happens. But as I read, it was that still wasn't easy with Oliver, right? He's still, you know, I mean, that's tough, right? So he's not yeah. sure who to believe and who, right. who's, the, you know, so... They wow. told him that Crystal was most likely a pedophile oh. that because my dad equated homosexuality with pedophilia. And so we would, when Crystal and I first moved in together and Oliver was at the house, we wouldn't be able to find him. Yeah. And he would be hiding on the back porch yeah. or between appliances because he was scared. Sure. He thought that, you know, they had told him that Satan was in our home. Yeah. That is so wild. I don't even know how that whole connection was made, that homosexuality and pedophilia, mm -hmm. I mean... I guess then when you hear about the priests, I don't know. I don't know. I have a lot to say about that, but we're going to move mm -hmm. on, just if that's right. Um, okay, so so I'm going to fast forward a little bit to you. So where you are now, you're in this, you know, amazingly beautiful home and with a, you know, a great tribe of friends. I'll just say that. And so, <laughs> so, so what is your process now? What's going on now? What is it, what is it like today? with all the things that have happened for you. And we have left out a lot of super gory mm -hmm. details. Um, uh, there was a lot of abuse. Right. There was a lot of, um, uh, I, I will tell you when I first started reading the book, um, uh, I was, I wanted to throw up. I was just mm -hmm. nauseous. Uh, mm -hmm. I know you even said that in, in the book, but just at, at what was happening. So you can't, there's no way you can reconcile those two things that this organization that is allowing this to happen to me is also the you know security you're supposed to be mm -hmm. the future for me. So so now, what what do you take from everything that has happened? Where are you now in your journey with this? Are you trying to fight for any you know kind of changes for the mm -hmm. Jehovah's Witnesses? What are you what are you doing now? Are you, I, I know you're an advocate in a lot of ways, but so tell me what's going on now. Well, when you're I was abused from the age of seven to thirteen. Mm -hmm. um, and I really somehow in some twist thought that I just wasn't deserving of anything better. Um, now that I'm on the other side and lived through the grossness of it, yeah. I'm angry now. Okay. And angry serves me pretty well. Mm -hmm. It really moves me forward. And so when you're that age and bad things are happening to you on a weekly basis, um, you just feel, you feel so beaten down um, but then when you get, when you get angry enough and you see that it never should have happened and you right. should have, you deserved better and, and still do, and you're not alone, uh, be, not being alone was the biggest motivator to me. The absolute cover up of abuse in that organization, um, being told that you, this is just something you've got to get over. No, we didn't call the police, but you just have to get over it. 
um, has led me to travel far and wide and meet with other people that the exact same thing happened to. Mm. People that have wanted to take their own life, been exactly where I am. And coming out with the book, I started to get this influx of people who were striving to get custody of their children, were decent parents, but the organization was helping them in court to have their children taken away from them. And it's not, if there's anything I can do to my dying breath, I will help people that are trying to exit that organization. Wow. Yeah. So how do you help them? Do you help them by speaking out? What, what is the, you know, what, what are you proactively doing? Proactively, I give them all the resources that I availed myself of mm -hmm. when I was going through it. Um, I've found, I have a list of resources. If somebody's trying to take your children, I've got somebody that can help you. If you've been sexually abused in that organization, let me arrange a meeting between this lawyer who's been dealing with all these cases. Okay. When we traveled to London for that conference, it was strictly about the abuse cover-ups. Mm. And when you find out that you've got a friend now in New Zealand that was the same age of you, as you and it was happening at the exact same time oh, wow. with a different offender, sure. um, you start to form this network of people that survives, especially those first couple of years, they survive knowing that there's someone else out there yeah. that they can message on Facebook or they can text you and say, I just really want to die today. Mm -hmm. And you do. The first couple of years you want to die. I can't even imagine. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right that that being I can't think of things that many things that would be worse than just being completely cut off. Right. Mm -hmm. Just that you, you know, that whole that, that whole connection piece. Yeah. Um, what would you like people to take away from your story and your experience? Do you, would you like for them to take away that there's some amazing principles in Jehovah's Witness and so, or just that there are some amazing people there? What, what is your, what would you want people to know at this point? If I could help someone, Jehovah's Witnesses are never, as long as they're an organization, they're never going to stop going door to door. And those people that come to your door, if they come to your door, they are going to appear and probably authentically be a nice person but before you listen to them in depth enough to visit a kingdom hall with them or study with them do go through the study program with them do your research because once you're in once you're sucked into that you're not allowed to do the research out you're no longer allowed to read anything outside the parameters of what they tell you is okay so you have to know that it may appear benign mm -hmm. on the surface, but be very careful before you allow yourself to be sucked into that. And if, and if it's true that most people are trying to find their tribe, their people, mm -hmm. then most people are susceptible, right? I mean, right. That, would, that would make sense. Like there's right. very few people walking around with this super firm, you know, um, point of view of whether it's any, any kind of religion, mm -hmm. by the way, uh, you know, and God and, and what it is. So, you know, I think most people are still curious about things, so that's a that's a good warning. Yeah. Um, so tell us about so Oliver is uh, we don't say too much, you know, because it's Oliver and it's his journey, but he's doing great now. Oliver is doing great. He is a, a little over a year on testosterone, and he's my son. Yeah. He's just he can be awfully bad, and he but he's the best kid. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm he's so a, glad that I have him. Yeah. He's a normal. A normal, He's uh, a normal teenager, teenager. Yeah. <laughs> at this yeah. point. Yeah. yeah, I know. When you think back of how you were, it's probably different because you were so in in you know doctrinated in, in into that. But yeah, 
All right, and Crystal, so you all have a, a, a business. You want we to talk about the barbershop? We moved to Tulsa with every expectation of it taking five years for us to be popular in Tulsa. Mm -hmm. We had faith that we would be popular in Tulsa. Of course, well, Do the it's you. <laughs> <laughs> but it took her about a year, and she's got slammed busy, and gonna now we have to expand. So she, it's a, the, the business is called Tonsorial. Tonsorial, the art of barbering. She's a 20-year master barber. And she's doubling her space and doubling her staff. Fantastic. So mm -hmm. I didn't. So that's new for yeah. me. So yeah, I knew you were you were thinking about it. So yeah, that's awesome. And she does like she, like she went to London to do to get Shave certified class. in yeah, yeah. in for shading. The, yeah, for the straight edge shaves. Wow. Yeah, I went in there the other day and saw her. She was you know trimming somebody's beard up. I yeah. was like yeah, that's that's super cool though. So two female barbers at this yeah. point. So we'll we'll see. Yeah. All right, so I've got a couple of other uh, questions to ask okay. you, like just, you know, like random, okay. uh, any randomness. I'm ready. Do you read Vanity Fair? I, that's not, not every month, the no. But, okay, well, that's one of the questions. But have you ever seen in the back where they, like, they open open it up to whomever, they send them these questions yes. and they answer? Okay. Yeah. So, like, one of the questions is, like, what's the, char what's the character trait you deplore in other people? Do you, what would you say? Like, what do you Laziness. Okay. What about you deploring yourself? Anything? Um, the trait. Insecurity. Mm. Ooh, that's a good one. All right. Yeah. Any, like if you were to do it all over again, is there anything you wish you would have done? Not even talking about Jehovah's. I know there's a ton of things you wish mm -hmm. you would have done there, but like, is there any, like what, what were you thinking when you were six before you got into, into that? Like, what were you gonna be when you grow up? I wanted to do interior design or fashion design. Right. And because in the organization they Armageddon was just tomorrow my whole life, college education was strictly forbidden when mm -hmm. I was growing up. Although my dad had an extensive college education, we weren't allowed to go. And so I resent that now. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. Hmm. So would, if you if you were to go to college, what would you study to be? Would it be to be in design? Design. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, you don't need that degree. I've seen your house. You you've got it going on. So what's the, what's the talent you wish you had? Like if you could go, man, I wish I, what, what would it be? I wish I was musically talented. Okay. Yeah, or could carry a note. Yeah, most people say that. Like this, everybody we've interviewed so far has been playing instrument or that, um, uh, or sing. Yeah. So, do you have any mottos or like a favorite quote that you rely on in tough times or is there something mm -hmm. that sits on your desk at home or anything that is inspiring to you? I don't, I've, I've long been fascinated by Albert Einstein since I was little right. and all of his quotes. So I have them all framed on my wall across from my desk so I can read. Um, but I've read some things about Albert Einstein I'm not sure about these days. So well, I'm and like what? Um, that he wasn't very female friendly and, that, and it surprises me. So I need to do more digging on that, that he was a little bit of a chauvinist. Yeah. I can't imagine a man in that time wouldn't be though. That was the culture, a lot of it. You're right. I think he did. I think he did a lot too. I'm not trying to defend him. I didn't obviously know him, but yeah. Uh, yeah it, but it's it's interesting. Uh, I was watching recently about all of the geniuses. It was the difference between like genius and schizophrenia in the brain mm -hmm. is like they're housed in the same part of the brain. Yeah. I thought that was fascinating. Just the idea that you know, somebody, you know, like a, a little tweak here and you're a genius or you're, you're, you know, I mean, there's, there's so, yeah. so, but he was, he was uh, definitely. It's kind of like that quote from uh, Alice in Wonderland 
um, I may be mad, but all the best people are. Yeah. <laughs> so that's a tattoo on my arm. Is it? But, I love yeah, that. Because they always said I was crazy. You know, just don't listen to her. She's just crazy. If she's questioning, she's not. She's just not right. She needs I medicine. I know it's not the right show for, but I'd love for you to show her when your tattoos. But we won't do that. <laughs> but they're inspiring. So I love. I love that one. Right. Uh, so so we've talked about up to here and yep. everything that's happened. Um, what's next? Um. That's interesting. I feel a little lost at the moment with, um, I know that something, something is in the works to do something with the book. So I want to be all present for that. And if that, they did the virtual reality experience and that was a year ago and I still can't watch it. But I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see what screenwriters do with the story and that's in the works. Um, other than that, with Oliver about to leave school and home and all that stuff I feel like I'm in a little bit of place of transition so well what are you doing to get ready for that that's like not a, that's not going to be easy you're already going to cry just <laughs> I draw about closer it. to crystal <laughs> come well, do something with me yeah. I'm lonely yeah so I mean as you know uh, my wife went through that and so sure. I know she's been good counsel for you I so. will reach out to her regularly for sure you should anyway right and I will yeah 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 still to come on real life leadership with Tracy Spears. I don't think fear should factor into a worship experience and it was a very big part of being one of Jehovah's Witnesses, fear, fear to displease. Yeah, um, that's giving all your power away. That's right. what I don't like about it. And Crystal's, Crystal's take on it is, as long as discussions about God or religion or spirituality, and I've tended to lump them all together, which isn't fair, but as long as it evokes anger in me, she said, you're not done with it. Mm, that's probably true. Do you think that's true? Yeah. Hi, my name is Tracy Spears, and I'm here to tell you about something super exciting. My business partner, Wally Schmader, and I just released our book, The Exceptional Leaders Playbook, and it's available now at theexceptionalleadersLab.com. What you'll find in that book is immediately actionable ideas that you can use in your everyday leadership. No theories in this one. These are tried and true tactics for leaders of all levels. I hope you'll check it out. I'm not uh, uh, overly excited about uh, talking about all of that, but I'm really so dialed into your part of the story, which is reconciling it all. Mm -hmm. You know, like I have wondered, and I think about this often, we talk about it often, how do you, because there's one part of you that says, and I know you miss your mom. I know mm -hmm. she an, is an amazing woman in mm -hmm. a lot of ways, but I don't know how you reconcile that piece with somebody that would um, be able to be separated from their daughter. So how do you reconcile that? I mean. You still working on it? Um, I remember about a year after I was disfellowshipped, and it was a particularly rough time. I came to Tulsa by myself, and Crystal was working, and I went to Woodland Hills Mall, and I was just wandering around, and it became very, um, it was almost like I was detached from myself. I was just kind of wandering around in a fog, and something in my, I thought I saw my mom in Dillard's, mm. and that's, it looked, this woman looked just like her. And that was a very typical place for my mom to be, so I just thought it was her. And when the woman turned around, it wasn't, but I absolutely imploded. I just 
started crying and couldn't stop. And so I got out on the highway and I was supposed to get a room at the ambassador and Crystal was going to come up and meet me. And so I had already rented the room and I was headed towards the hotel. I thought, I'll just go to bed and try to sleep this off. I was in a bad mental place. And I crossed a bridge. I don't even remember where I was. I crossed a bridge and I thought, I can, if I run off the side of the bridge, death will be Easier. guaranteed. Mm. If I go off this bridge, I can end it within seconds. And by the time I got, I don't know how, I don't remember getting from that point to the hotel, but wow. I know that I was in a terrible, terrible mental, I really did want to die. Um, and that moment, it was almost pivotal for me, like, you gotta get your shit together or you're going to be in the ground. Mm -hmm. And Oliver deserves better than that, Crystal deserves better than that. And so since that moment, I haven't had near as bad a, and it took getting medicine and counseling. Sure. I have to take an antidepressant regularly or I will go back into that dark. Well, the chemistry of the brain is so clear now that those things that are formed when we're kids, the, the imprint on the, your amygdala, the connections that the neurons make, all those, that it creates this perception that is, it, it, it's like your brain is wired for that. And to, mm -hmm. to accept a new reality is so hard. Mm -hmm. And it requires um, so much persistence and so much, in my opinion, so much, um, um, gosh, that, that you want it so badly to be different, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? That you, that, and I, I don't know that a lot of people have the emotional fortitude to, to do that, you obviously do. Um, and there's, you know, you and I know a lot of people that have that and mm -hmm. for, for differing reasons. But I can see where it would be just easier, you know, just be easier to just go, I'm done. Yeah. Well, Crystal thought it would be church. She thought she was getting a religious person, but what she didn't know was religion had started to leave my heart years before I actually left because I couldn't, I couldn't reconcile the stuff that was happening to me and the stuff they were trying to, because in my mind, when they were trying to take Oliver, that religion is founded on the fruitages of the Spirit, this, you know, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, and the, the behavior that was coming out of them towards me was anything but fruitage of the Holy Spirit. And so I thought, if that's the earmark of the true religion, you've missed it. You've missed mm -hmm. the target by a mile here, and I don't want anything to do with it. Um, do you see that you would ever end up in a different kind of a church? No. What it, because Crystal would take me and she thought, this is the key. This is the ticket to getting yeah. you to come out of this. And I would walk in and sit and I'd say, no, they got that wrong. They yeah. got, that's the wrong. Yeah. You're just, my, you're, you know. And now I have zero drive yeah. to open the Bible, to pray, to do any of that stuff. And Crystal feels sorry for me. But I've found this kind of freedom. Peace. <laughs> yeah. It's absolute freedom. Yeah. 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 I have that same... Um, I feel that way, that, that there's a, this part of me that's super curious about all the different religions. Mm -hmm. um, so, I, so I'm interested enough to at least learn, like this is fascinating to me, like the story that I had to read, uh, your story was mm -hmm. painful and like I said, I wanted to throw a bunch, a bunch of people, but you know, it was in, it's, it's inter interesting to me to understand what people believe to be the way that their religion, or just believe their religion. I don't even have to say it differently. But do you They're, think that if you had been raised in a church, 
that you would eventually drifted back into a church because you weren't raised going to church every Sunday no, or I was not. praying and before dinner or yeah. I was yeah. so Crystal assumed I would go back into it yeah um, for me it just doesn't make sense mm. right like my struggle is um, I would I've been into a few churches and the things that I accept to be um, you know, crazy people accept as it, it is the way it is. Crazy being defined as, mm -hmm. you know, like I go in and I can't do communion because there were some rules that I didn't follow. Or, you know, like, mm -hmm. hey, so for, for the outsider, an outsider being somebody that is not raised in a church, all of those rules seem super subjective. And I don't gravitate towards things that are super subjective. Mm -hmm. I, like to, I like more objective data. I like to mm -hmm. know why things happen. I understand faith. But you accept it's mystery. I know enough about you to know yes. that you accept mystery on some levels. Say more. What do you like? In what way? What makes you say that? Um, because being around you as much as we are, you have a. I see it come out in you when you talk about a vibe. Oh. You call it a vibe. Energy. Yeah. Or energy. Yeah. Something like that. And you don't really have a. You can't put your finger on it, or you don't know exactly what it is, but you trust your gut that it's there's something mysterious happening here. Yeah. Um, but you never. You never credit it to a higher power or a well or God or that's true. I think though that I think of that as an as a part of my environment, the the what is unknown. So like I let it factor in. Like mm. I don't believe that w you and I and this chair and all that this is all that's in here. I do. I definitely don't. I think there is a there is something else. Mm -hmm. And so I want to stay open to whatever that is. Right, because I don't want to miss it. Like if it's, you know, and I don't. I'm not saying I do or don't believe anything fully. I am mm -hmm. open to all of it, though. Like even even the all of the religions. You know, I'm fascinated by them. I read about them. I'm mm -hmm. curious about them. Um, but but the, I'm talking about the tangible things that don't make sense to me. Like if you do this, this happens. I'm like, wow. I, I, I have done communion, believe it or not, in my day, because I thought, well, you go in, you're going to do communion. Mm -hmm. And then I did it, and they were like, you were not supposed to do that. I was like, what do you mean I wasn't supposed to do that? So then I was like, oh, shit, there's some rule here that I, you know, so then I got insecure about it. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, but anyway, I'm going to come back to what you said, that other energy entities, what I believe, for me, we're all connected. And I believe we're all connected in a way that you cannot see. And it is what I would call love. And if that is God, it, whatever we want to call it, like I feel that like when something happens to you or I read your story and I feel it emotionally, two things are happening. It's tapping into my own story, but I'm also connecting with you mm -hmm. in a way. And I think that people that are open to that experience, I don't think you can clearly define love or those things. So I'll call them energy and mysteries of the universe, whatever they end up being. But I know they're real. I know that those, you know, and, and sometimes it's not. Sometimes people say, oh, this big feeling is love and it's somebody just fucked up, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> but, you know, sometimes, <laughs> right? And people throw weird labels on it. But I think there's, there is a pure piece to that that connects us all. Really but do. I've heard you mention more than once or more than twice that you take issue with the the quote unquote God fearing. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think fear should factor into a worship experience, and it was a very big part of being one of Jehovah's Witnesses. Fear, fear to displease. Yeah, um, that's giving all your power away. That's right. what I don't like about it. And Crystal's Crystal's take on it is as long as 
discussions about God or religion or spirituality, and I've tended to lump them all together, which isn't fair, but as long as it evokes anger in me, she said, you're not done with it. Mm. That's probably true. Do you think that's true? Yeah. Yeah. But I think you're, and you said it when you said, but it's, it's an easier to navigate with that emotion than it mm -hmm. is to sit in it, right, or to yeah. be vulnerable by it. Yeah. And even Oliver, Oliver has said, because for the first five years, I talked about it incessantly. Mm -hmm. And all, to the point, I would say, Oliver, can you believe I would track the organization, oh, what they're yeah. doing and what they're hiding now and what they're lying about? Um, and my dad lied to Crystal about the six to 12 month repentance phase. He said, mm -hmm. that doesn't exist. And Crystal and I were new to the dating experience and I thought, she's gonna think I'm lying. Mm -hmm. And then she met hundred, literally hundreds of other, other people who verified that, that that's a thing. Um, so I, mm. I just need to be, I don't care if I'm angry about it. Oliver wants me to quit talking about it. So I just kind of trailed off talking about it. Like yeah. you can only, if you stay in that place, you just keep reliving. I had to unfollow on Facebook all of the XJW groups sure. because they just live in it. Yeah. They want to sit in their own misery and I'm, you know, I love that we have a circle of friends that if something's wrong, I can call Rosemary. Mm -hmm. I can call you and mm -hmm. say, my stuff is falling apart today. Mm -hmm. uh, and you're not going to say, if you call a Jehovah's Witness, they're going to say, for instance, Ken Giles was a, an elder who I stayed a lot at his house because his son and I were best friends. Um, African-American man who I worshiped the ground he walked on. And when the elders were trying to help my dad take Oliver from me, I called him at home one night. I was in Vegas, Crystal was at a hair show, and I was falling apart. Mm -hmm. I said, you're trying to take my son. Who do you think you are? And he said, if you come back swiftly, this won't be near as painful as what you think. And I thought at the time, I thought, fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I can hire a lawyer just like you can. Yeah. And that was kind of the... Once I decided to stop laying in the bed, mm -hmm. get my ass out of the bed. Mm. Nobody's going to solve all this until I stand up for myself. We had somebody in here earlier today doing a podcast about the difference between forgiveness and forgiveness with reconciliation. So mm. she said beautifully that most people think that forgiveness is a one step. She maybe didn't say this is what I heard. Forgiveness is like one step, I forgive you, so that means I accept you and we have a relationship again. And she said, and it's absolutely a two-step thing, that there's forgiveness is for you. Though I've heard this before, but I heard it differently today, is that you go, I can forgive you, but that reconciliation piece ain't ever going to happen. And that that's that. okay. Like I thought that it wasn't okay unless you made amends with that person mm -hmm. too. And she's like, that's, that is not at all what it means. Forgiveness is, I'm going to forgive you but I'll be damned if you'll ever get close enough to do that again. Yeah. And she said, that's actually healthy. That's not a bad thing. So, so anyway, boundaries. yeah, yeah, it was, but it was free. I love that. Yeah, I know. So, so I think the, for me, what I learned in that, that piece of that is um, that I struggle with having any unfinished business, you know, like that. Yeah. And, and so uh, that's, but that was freeing for me just to hear it in that way. Yeah. So I don't know if that's, that's helpful, helpful for you. It all. is. I love that. Yeah. Um, I have a lot of people that fit into that category. Well, and we, the context we were talking about is that you outgrow people, right? That mm -hmm. you, you get in this 
um, I have had a couple of really dear friends that I'm not close to anymore. And so the question I ask myself is, what is my role in that? Uh, for sure, and I play a big role in that. But the other question I ask myself is, is my unwillingness to reconcile that, if there is an unwillingness, because I don't want to be who I was in that friendship anymore or relationship, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so that's new for me to make that decision to go, it's not, I mean, I really love and care about this person, but I just don't like who I was, Yeah. right? Because yeah. as, and we were talking about like when you, when you start doing things outside of those few people, if you are not the same person that you were and, and they see you growing and they're not, that mm -hmm. also creates uh, an issue too. So sure. there's a lot of, of unpacking of that stuff. Yeah. And, and was taught, we would have these family um, conferences where my dad would run us through, if, you're, if a judge wants you to take blood and, you, and you're taking blood is against God's law, what are you going to say? Well, Dad, I'm eight. <laughs> yeah. Really? Yeah. You know, and I started thinking that way, like, why are you quizzing me on this? I'm eight. Literally, I'm in a, I'm in a spelling bee championship. That's the biggest thing I care about I can about spell right blood. B-L-O-O-D. I, I am the best speller. Um, but then he would, you know, write all the list of Bible names you can. And, and God, I can just remember that, you know, Olivia Newton-John is really hot. I know that. I can list her, you know, all these singers that I love. But, uh, That's funny. I don't know. Just... I was just taught not to trust people, and so I go back to this, I got, I digress, that the friends that I had in the organization, when, when they found out that I w was in a same-sex relationship, they were like, all the rumors started flying, like, oh my God, it was, you know, somebody said, my best friend in Ada said, can you believe I changed in a Dillard's dressing room with her? Oh, that's you know just that kind of stuff. Maddening. And so I just I withdrew from every friendship. And now that we have we have a very defined group of friends. I mean, my friend group is large in Tulsa. Mm -hmm. and I mean, I know a, lot, know a lot of, of the LGBT community, but as far as my tight friendships, I don't click quickly or deeply with very many people at all. Um, and even then I questioned myself, like, mm -hmm. what do they want from me? Why mm -hmm. are they getting close to me? Are they, in McAllister, it was, are they entertained by our relationship? Is that why they want to go to dinner with us or whatever? Yeah. So I was guarded. And I have to say, Rosemary is among the very few first people that we have a lot in common from our childhoods. Mm -hmm. We have a lot in common as adults. And I know that I can say something that's off the mark that I'm not thinking rationally about, and she'll say it. Mm -hmm. She'll say, Deb, you're just not, yeah. think about it this way. Yeah. And she'll bring me back, she gives me a clarity that I am grateful for. Nice. Yeah. And she's not going to judge you for it. Yeah. yeah. And she's still going to be my friend the next day and, and say, you know, I don't think you should paint that wood black. <laughs> <laughs> Did you paint it black? No, okay. I put clear on it. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> it's beautiful, too. You need to drive by mm -hmm. and see it. We will. Yeah. We were doing, I was doing my Rosemary, you know, homage to Rosemary, um, about grace, that, you know, she mm -hmm. gives a lot of grace. Yeah. And, like, for the first few years, I was really doing everything that you would not want to do if you wanted somebody to stay, you know, with you. I <laughs> and know. the fact that she stayed mm -hmm. and was like, okay, whatever that is, we have something bigger. Yeah. That, you know, to that that was the that's the greatest gift I've ever gotten in a you know in a relationship. So I understand intimately. 
what you're talking about with yeah. her. So. I'm, I'm just immensely grateful. I've never had friends, a circle of friends that I was immensely grateful for. I always felt we had a martini club and the, the women that I hung with, we would all meet in Ada once a month. We were the martini club and we would have martinis all night long. Mm -hmm. And I would, I just always felt like I had to censor my conversation mm -hmm. yeah. because there was things that I was feeling that could never come out. And when a, ch a child learns that, for years and years and years, you're indoctrinated with that. Mm -hmm. Then it becomes so easy to just edit what you have in your head before it ever comes out your mouth. Yeah. Um, and now I don't do that, and I end up saying things that I think oh, <laughs> probably shouldn't have said. That. But you get a pass, which is nice. Yeah. And we I get a we pass. use a lot of the passes. We use because passes because y'all know that my heart is in the right place, or. You start Always. to give each other, and I didn't. Grace is a foreign concept in that organization. There's no such thing. I know. There's that. not once saved, always saved. There's no. And so when Crystal started talking about grace, I thought, I don't know. Yeah. What you're talking about? Because God doesn't give grace. No. Well, uh, I just thank you so much for coming in and, thank and you for talking having a little me. bit about. It. Yeah, let's do it again. It's been easy. All right. Good. Yeah. That was what it was supposed to be. Super excited. All right. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll end on that. Hi, this is Tracy. I hope you've been enjoying the podcast. To find out more about our books, online courses, and other resource materials, check us out at tracyspears.com.